welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 113. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary coming at you a little bit later on a Monday than I usually am. Forgive me, yesterday was Easter, was hanging with the fam. Got a little bit of a late start, so we are getting this episode out a little bit later. But don't worry, we are jam-packed with a ton to get into. We are doing worst-case scenario for the New York Jets in the in the NFL draft, followed by your voicemails, as always, on episode 113. But before all of that, with the first pick in the NFL draft, Ball Saxonville has decided to pick Manscaped to stock up on their D. Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have sponsored us to make sure you don't get booed out of the bedroom like Roger Goodell. Support us and head to manscaped.com and use the exclusive code JETS20, that is J-E-T-S-2-0, for 20% off and free shipping. Lawmower 4.0 performance package. Maybe you like the cologne. The cologne's been in my rotation heavy recently. Absolutely love it. So make sure to check it out with my promo code JETS20 and get yourself prepared in the bedroom and for the NFL draft, of course, which is coming up, which ironically, I guess, or not really ironically, because it's that time of year. That's the focus of today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, and we're getting into the worst case scenario. Last week, we did best case scenario. This week, I'm going to go worst case scenario. I have a few things that I want to get into. Number one is if three edges come off the board right away. Um, or I, uh, Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say three. And those three specifically would be obviously Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and for me, Jermaine Johnson, which I guess I'm going to kind of combine the, my first two worst case scenarios into the same one. Uh, which is if the Jets decided to take Trayvon Walker over KT. I think that would be the one that would really just knock me dead. Um, And there's a few reasons why I don't like Trayvon Walker in the top 10. Um, Not that he's not a first-round player. I do think that he is a first-round player. He's just my edge five, which I would not take my edge five over um, the four in front of them, which obviously I have Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. I have... Uh, Jermaine Johnson, and I also have George Karloftis, who I would significantly rather take at pick four than Trayvon Walker. And the reason behind why I don't think it's a good idea to take Trayvon Walker fourth overall is because a lot of the number one, a lot of his stuff is projection based. And I know what you're going to say. Well, isn't that a lot of the NFL draft? You want to take the guys at the high ceiling uh, and the potentially maybe a low floor because you want to swing big on the draft? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. But with Trayvon Walker, or for the Jets in particular, most of these teams who are interested in Trayvon Walker in the top five would be drafting him to play edge, which is something that he just didn't do in college. For the most part at Georgia, he was playing on the interior of their defensive line. To me, if anything, he projects more as a 3-4 defensive end than more of a pure edge rusher in a 4-3 defense, which I just don't see how he is a fit for this Jets team. He's very good against the run, but as a pass rusher, he is too similar to me to John Franklin Myers, who is someone who can play on the outside, but is probably better suited on the inside. And if you already have John Franklin Myers, why are you spending a fourth overall pick on another? 
Like, and I like JFM. I don't want this to turn into a Matt hates JFM. I don't. I really like him a ton, but I don't think anyone would tell you that JFM is a fourth overall pick value. He's not. He's not. And obviously, Walker is probably better against the run. Like, I'll give him that, but I just, I really don't see it. I don't see how he's a top 10 pick. Not not to me. I would, so the four guys I just gave you, I'd rather take any one of those four over Trayvon Walker. So either if the three edges come off the board first, that would really suck. And if Trayvon Walker comes off the, uh, if they choose Trayvon Walker over Kayvon Thibodeau, now I know what people are going to say. Well, you could take Sauce Gardner. And there's a lot of people who are on the Sauce Gardner train. Um, I personally feel, I don't think this organization, uh, whether it be the Robert Sala, who's obviously is, the head coach and pretty much running the defense, Ulbrich, who's the defensive coordinator, or Joe Douglas is going to prioritize corner over edge. I could be wrong. Maybe they go outside the box and do something that I don't expect or a lot of other people don't expect, but I would be surprised with it. I wouldn't necessarily hate it because I think Sauce Gardner has the potential to be very, very good at the next level. But I think you, you by paying DJ Reed, you probably feel comfortable with Reed as a starter and I guess a competition for Eccles and Hall to be CB2, but I'm a, I'm a Bryce Hall guy. I think he should be starting on the outside, um, which I guess a perfect segue into my second topic here is a priority over secondary over edge. Like if they went Bryce Hall and Kyle Hamilton as the first two picks and we're like, okay, we're going to wait till pick 35 and try to take a, whichever edge rusher falls or, you know, in that point you're waiting for a receiver too, which is another thing that I have on this list. I look at the edge as such a, so much more of a need than either corner or safety. And especially with the value that's going to be there at the top of the second round at, at safety is insane. You have guys like Lewis Seen, uh, Daxton Hill, Jaquan Brisker, um, Jalen Petrie. You go right down the line. That's like four pretty quality guys who should be there at the top of the second round. Um, and I just went through why I wouldn't prioritize taking corner that early. Where Edge, like, sure, I love Carl Lawson coming back. I think he's going to be good. But we can't have Carl Lawson on one side and a hope and a prayer on the other. Because that's what it would be. Um, I think John Franklin Myers is better suited as an interior rusher. Um, I think Bryce Huff is a nice rotational piece. I don't think he's an every down player. And they need another guy who can be downright dominant. Uh, and if you're taking one let's say in the second round, is it possible for them to be come in and be good right away? Yes, of course, but it, it's, it's a bigger risk. The longer you wait, the bigger the risk is. So I don't want to take those risks on what I think is the two most important ads to this team, which is edge and wide receiver, which is waiting to wide receiver at 35, which is, again, a little bit frightening. There's five guys that I really like in this draft class. Uh, at the wide receiver position, and that is in no particular order. Uh, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, uh, Jamison Williams, and Chris Olave. Outside of that, I think there are some uh, question marks at some of these guys who are going to be there. And if your plan is to try to make life as easy for Zach Wilson as possible, why settle for the eighth best receiver, which is probably what you are going to be selecting at pick 35? There's a very good chance six or seven receivers can go in the first round. 
And maybe like, oh, well, Jahan Dotson could be there. True, but is he an exact fit of what you're probably looking for? I, I would say no. I don't think so. Christian Watson, though. Okay, uh, I do have some questions about him coming from North Dakota State and coming in and playing and having an impact right away and the play strength being an issue. But what about George Pickens? Okay, great. Injured. So that's another, like, the the risk that is involved here is a little bit too rich for me. I don't want to take that risk, especially if Garrett Wilson is sitting there for you at pick 10. I can't just say, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to wait until pick 35 and go on a hope and a prayer that someone that I like is going to be there. For every Elijah Moore that you're able to get there, which was phenomenal. I'm happy the Jets got Elijah Moore in the second round. They got really lucky. But how many more times have they got burned? The Jets have got burned at the wide receiver position for waiting more often than they've been successful with it. So while every time I hear, well, there's, you know, you get receivers in the second round who have talent every year, which that can be true at times. Yes, there are receivers, but how often is it that this team finds them? I loved Denzel Mims coming out, but that has not worked through two years. Maybe it changes in year three. Stephen Hill is another one. Ardarius Stewart in the third round. Chad Hansen swinging a miss. The uh, Ohio State, Devin Smith. For every one of Elijah Moore's, there's 10 Devin Smiths of the world where it just doesn't work. And you have this second-year quarterback on a rookie contract. I want to make damn sure that he's the guy. And I'm not going to do that by waiting and playing a waiting game. And then I guess the last worst case scenario for me would be taking a running back earlier than the second round or earlier, excuse me, than the third round as third is the earliest that I would even consider it. I think pick 69 is too early. I think the fourth and fifth round is a sweet spot. We did a video earlier last week where we were talking about guys like Tyler Algier, Brian Robertson, Jr. Um, Hassan Haskins, uh, Jerome Ford, guys like that who you could probably get in the fourth round. Great. There's no reason. No reason at all, especially in this system, to be taking your running back in the first or second round. I don't think we see a running back go in the first round. I think there's a chance we probably see three running back, two or three go in the second round. The Jets should be not be one of those teams who are taking a running back in the second round. They shouldn't. There are so many more other important needs um, and more impactful positions to be taking swings on with your first four picks. There is no need to go running back. They need to find a complimentary piece to Michael Carter. Um, who they found in the fourth round. Um, but th- there's no need to f- to spend a top 40 pick on a running back for the for this team. There's, a, there's scenarios where you can do it. Um, I'm not completely like just forget running back and run out undrafted free agents every year. I don't think that's sustainable. Um, but especially in this class, again, I, I think you are more than okay finding someone on an either late day two or early on day three. Um, And that rounds out my worst case scenarios next week, which is obviously my last pod before the jets are on the clock on Thursday. I will talk about my predictions for the NFL draft, but these are my lists for worst case scenarios. And you can let me know your worst worst case scenario for the NFL draft on either social media or in the comments. So with that, let's get into your voicemails first. Caller is Lucas, and he wants to talk about the USFL, actually. Okay, let's do it. Hey, Matt, it's Lucas. I called him last week. I just wanted to call back in again. Sure, what's up, dude? Um, 
I have a kind of random question. It's not really about the draft or anything, um, but it was about the USFL. The games are starting to be played, I think, in a couple of weeks. And I just want to know, do you think that's a valid way to look for talent, kind of like a minor league to like a major league, like how the MLB does it? Um, do you think, you know, that's possibly another way to look for players to, you know, maybe give a shot, say a guy goes out, has a 2,000-yard receiving season, something crazy like that. Do you think it's worth giving him a shot at a full contract, even though he's probably not going to be as young as, uh, you know, a rookie or something? Um, yeah, I just want to see your thoughts, and uh, go Jets. Yeah, appreciate it, Lucas. And um, I definitely think it's worthwhile to take a look. I mean, um, there's, there's guys who've made, you know, like Kurt Warner was playing arena football first. Um, that's an example. Um, it, it happens. It's the same thing like the CFL, man. Sometimes you get these guys. Uh, if I, I'm, I'm blanking out. I was stolen because I was trying to think of the quarterback that was on the Panthers when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. Wasn't it a uh, an XFL quarterback who came in? Forgive me. I'm blanking on his name. Um, I can't think of it right now. But, uh, but the point is, yes, I do think that you could see. And maybe like, I'm not saying they're going to come in and be stars, but can you find... Somebody who can maybe fill out a roster, bottom half of the roster guy, practice squad guy. Yeah, of course. Um, and I think more football is a good thing. Give people more opportunities to continue their career. Uh, if they're doing it safely, obviously. I don't personally have any interest in watching like the the USFL or the XFL or anything like that. Um, just not not for me, but I have no issue, issue with there being more football and I have no issue with these teams taking any you know, resource that's available to them in order to continue the scouting process. Yeah. I think it's worthwhile to keep an eye on. Do I think that, like I said, do I think that anyone is going to uh, come in and be, be an absolute star? I would say probably unlikely, but yeah, it's absolutely worthwhile to keep an eye on. Peter is up next and uh, we have a couple of NFL draft options. Okay. Let's do Peter calling in from Hudson Valley. Hey Matt. What's up, hey, dude? Peter from the beautiful Hudson Valley of New York. I haven't called in in a while, but uh, the back. draft coming up soon. I figured it was time to get back into the, the scene here. Just wanted to say, I'll make a comment first, uh, then my question, that I'm really liking all the mock drafts I'm seeing from you. Thank you. Obviously, I my personal opinion is the best scenario for them is to trade back in the first round, get an additional pick, and then hopefully get your three biggest needs right off the bat in the first round, edge, wide receiver, and linebacker, and whoever is the best available at the time they make those picks, then get you and get those positions filled in. And, you know, considering how Douglas has been so far as a general manager, no matter what, the Jets are going to wind up coming away with more picks in this draft than they started with. And if they don't come away with more picks for this year, they certainly will for next year as well. But here's my question. Why is Greg Van Roten still on this roster? <laughs> good question. That is Why a good question. Why haven't cut him or traded him yet? And do you think that's a scenario that may happen on draft day, whether it's uh, day two or day three? And what do you think the Jets will recoup for him? Could they get a third rounder possibly or maybe a couple of picks, one this year, one next year? And uh, if we do trade him away, then who's going to be the primary backup on the interior of the line considering they haven't re-signed LDT yet? But... Obviously, if they trade away Van Roten, I mean Rotten, as you <laughs> correctly said, 
Uh, maybe LVT is the first person they sign at that point, uh, and that fills in behind Tomlinson and AVT should either one of them go down to an, with an injury, and certainly we hope not. Because uh, obviously we don't think uh, Dancini uh, can back up either of those guys. Correct. Uh, he's there, but he's still not our first choice. So hopefully uh, the Jets will address his situation with Van Roten and uh, hopefully get LDT back under the uh, umbrella. And uh, let's see what happens. And hopefully it's a good draft. And as always, go Jets. Appreciate it. I don't have a good answer for you for why he is still on the roster. They can cut him as training camp nears a little bit closer, but I don't think you are getting anything for him in a trade. Uh, if there was one offensive lineman that I think you could potentially trade, it's Connor McGovern, and I think you can maybe uh, what you can get for him. I I don't know, maybe a third or fourth round pick, something like that. But then I think you're only trading Connor McGovern if you are trading back into the first round and drafting Tyler Linderbaum. Or maybe Zion Johnson, because Zion Johnson did try play center at the Senior Bowl, so maybe if he's trying to play center at the next level, maybe they would do that. But that's the only lineman, or I guess Makai Becton, if they take Iki Kwanu, which I don't think they're going to do personally, but you could. Um, but I don't think you are getting anything back for uh, Greg Van Roten, unfortunately. They definitely do need more help. Depth wise, I would I agree with you. LDT, I would do anything in my power to bring him back uh, for depth. I think he would be fine if he had to come in and spot start. Dan Feeney scares the life out of me. I don't want him playing football. I would love to go out drinking with Dan Feeney. I don't want him playing for my football team. Uh, and the same is said with I could be that. Ugh, I don't know why I couldn't speak there for a second. The same could be said about Connor McDermott who, uh, yeah, right now is looking at one of the backup tackles as well as Chuma Doga, who is still cooking around for some reason. But, yeah, I don't know why they haven't moved on there, and they could use some more depth. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they used day, late day two and day three picks uh, to round out that depth on the, on the offensive line. So uh, good point there. We're going to go to Brendan and Jack calling in from Cali, and they have an interesting question that I don't think I've ever answered on this show before. Hey, Matt. Big Jack fans out in California. You got two guys coming at you, Brendan and Jack. We tune in pretty much to every episode. Big fans. We love, love your work. Um, sometimes I tweet at you. But uh, anyways, my one question is, that's totally not your voice at the beginning of the intro. Who is it? Is it a celebrity? Oh, yeah. Can you please give us a little <laughs> bit of insight into who it is? Because we need to understand who it is. Thank you so much. We love you. Thanks, Matt. Keep it up, Matt. Go Jets. We're about to have a great nine win. Ooh. Let's go. Playoff contention. Goodbye. <laughs> I love it. Interesting. Okay, I'll answer this. Um, so it is someone that I used to work with in the radio field. His name is Tyler Brandt. Uh, he is on Twitter as well if you want to follow him with him. And actually, Tyler works for me behind the scenes. He does some stuff behind the scenes. So uh, he screens voicemails for me. Uh, he, he makes some clips for the Matt O'Leary NY Extra channel. Uh, and he is the voice of the intro of just jets um, and potentially going to be using him for more stuff as I continue to build this thing. And uh, he, he's just, he's basically, he helps me out with, with some stuff behind the scenes. He's one of my best friends. Uh, love the kid, although he is a Patriots fan. So if you want to give him hell on Twitter, please do. 
Uh, but yeah, that's my good buddy, Tyler, who is awesome. And I appreciate him helping out with this show as well. Uh, let's do Will from Dallas. And he wants to talk about moving back on draft day. Okay, let's do it. Hey, Matt. Will calling from Dallas. What uh, up, dude? I got a mock draft and a little bit of a take on Debo Samuel. Okay. Um, so I did the PFF mock draft, and I had us trading back from four to six with Carolina. We It was a straight-up deal, four for six plus Brian Burns. Um, I would do wait. It. No, I'm sorry. It was four for six. Brian Burns and a future third. I would do from it. Carolina. Um, to move up to four so that they could take Malik Willis. Uh, we moved back to six. We take Sauce at six. Then at ten, I had Garrett Wilson going. Um, maybe this is a hot take, or maybe you disagree, but I still think we should take Trey McBride in the second round. I don't think Conklin or Duzoma uh, are really like. I mean, they're solid starters, but I think Trey McBride is going to be phenomenal in this league. Okay. So I still think we should take him. So I have him and Lewis Seen going in round two to us. Um, let me know what you think of that. I think that's interesting. Take a young pass rusher, move back a few slots, still get soft, and uh, Garrett Wilson. Just thought it was a different idea, I guess, uh, now that they have players involved in there. Um but as far as Debo Samuel goes, I just saw today that Kyle Shanahan says he's willing to listen to offers for Debo or anyone on the team. Debo, I this whole time people have been talking about A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. Debo Samuel, for me, has always been go get Debo. If any of those three are available, or excuse me, if all three are available, go get Debo. He's, I mean, you can't find a better fit for the offense when the offense comes directly from San Francisco and this dude's, I mean, dominating the league in that offense. I just think it's a no-brainer if all three are available that you go Debo. So let me know what you think. Uh, I'm a big Debo guy. Maybe you aren't, but I love Debo. I think I think he's the no-brainer choice to go if we are going to trade for a receiver. Uh, anyways, thanks for taking the call. Love the show. As always, go Jets. Appreciate it, dude. Um, interesting mock draft. I like the idea of, well, you're moving back and you're still getting a pass rusher there, which is awesome. And then that allows you to take Sauce Gardner, um, which if you already have your pass rusher, then that's a completely different conversation. I disagree with you on Trey McBride, but like McBride's awesome. So like, am I going to be mad if they do that? No. I'm not going to be mad about it, but I would probably go a different direction, which is um, okay. I would probably look for, I think they would really need some linebacker help. So that's what I, the direction that I would probably go instead. Um, and as for Debo Samuel, love him. I think he'd be explosive in this offense. He put up 1400 yards receiving last year and another 300 plus rushing yards and had 14 combined touchdowns. 14. He's an absolute force and a nightmare for uh, for defenses to try to match up with him. You would just have to get him the ball and let him do the rest. That makes life so easy for Zach Wilson. But I don't get like so many people. So I did the video of uh, I was talking about the odds and obviously it is more favorable or he is more likely to stay in San Francisco than anything else obviously, but the next most likely team after that is the Jets. So I did a video on that and the number of comments that were so anti the idea of Debo Samuel is crazy to me. 
It's crazy. It's most of it comes from the fear of paying anybody and giving up a God forbid, giving up a draft pick. Jeff fans or not all, but some have been burned so badly that they have so much fear of actually trying to acquire good players. It's no, you have to only build through the NFL draft. God forbid you acquire somebody who's good. You have to just draft them and develop them. There is only one way to build a team and every single championship team who has used multiple avenues like the draft, like trades and like free agency. You just throw that straight out the window and we're just going to spend 10 draft picks every single year until it hits. And I don't care if you miss the playoffs for another five to 10 years on top of their already 10 year player drought. You can't possibly be serious about bringing up the idea of trading for an already established player who is just now entering the prime of their career, who had 1,800 all-purpose yards last year and 14 touchdowns. How dare you want to improve your team like that? I don't get it. I, I It is truly baffling how there is a portion of this fan base who just absolutely refuses to give anyone any kind of money, especially when you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal and with the cap going up year over year over year over year. Why? What are what are we doing here? Oh, it's just such it's one of my pet peeves. And I just I can't. Oh, God, I, I can't take it anymore. I just really can't. Ethan from Connecticut is up next, and he has a mock draft scenario for us. All right, let's do it, kid. Hey, Matt. Uh, this is Ethan from Connecticut. Uh, First-time caller. Welcome. time listener. Uh, I've got a take on, on what to do uh, with that number four pick. Um, I'm, I'm really high on KT, um, and I know you won't like it, but I, I wouldn't mind Kyle Hamilton at four either. Um but personally, if if the top three goes Hutch, Hamilton, KT, or any variation of that, I don't want anybody else with the fourth pick. Okay. Um, so one idea that comes to mind with what to do with the fourth pick, um, something that I really like is trading back the fourth pick. Um, a swap with another team in the mid-first round. Uh, plus a proven commodity. Um, so uh, options I like there are four, swap with nine, plus DK. Uh, four, swap with Washington um, to 11, plus Terry McLaurin. Um, I think there's also, uh, you could swap down to 16 uh, with the Saints for Michael Thomas. Okay. Um or you could even swap. I think the Chargers have like 18 or 19 uh, for, for maybe Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. Uh, mm. Those are things I really like. Uh, you walk out of the first round uh, with whoever you want to take at, at 10, whether that's an edge. I like Carl Loftus there. Okay. Um, but yeah, let me know. Yeah, it's definitely outside the box, Ethan, um, which I think is interesting. Like, obviously, you. There's many, many ways, and I've said this on seemingly every single show since from the offseason to now, which we are so damn close to the NFL draft. I can't wait. Um, but there are so many ways that you can go about doing it. I don't think that it's likely. My guess would be that at that point they would take Jermaine Johnson. That would be my guess on what they would do. Um, 
which I think I would be okay with because I think it's so important that they get their guy. But would I be mad if they moved back and recouped some value? No, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think I would be. If the, and you're landing a top flight receiver, obviously the Terry McLaurin one's a little bit more interesting. Michael Thomas scares me because he has seven games in the last two years. Uh, Keenan Allen's getting up there in age, uh, which is a little bit scary. And Mike Williams, I don't think is really like a prototypical number one. Um, so maybe you're adding another guy in the mid rounds at that point to go with Mike Williams, but uh, that's different. Which I am not opposed to different. I like. Like that, Ethan's using his noodle a little bit, and he's thinking a little bit. So, um, interesting. Seattle, Washington, New Orleans. Yeah, what if it was like with DK? Pick four for 10 in DK? Okay. That's probably the one that I would do the most. And then at that point, you would have uh, over four, excuse me, four for 10. Four for nine in DK. So, at pick nine and 10, uh, that's where you can get nuts a little bit. So, okay. I like it. Good stuff, Ethan. Oh, baby. Travis from Ohio is back. Trav, what do you got, my friend? Hey, Matt. What's up, dude? Travis from Ohio. Hey, buddy. Remember, like, what was it, four or five years ago when we did our uniform change and we got the Gotham Green and everything? Do you remember the poster boys for that? Yes. Here's the rundown, right? Sam Darnold. Gone. Robbie Anderson. Gone. Then it was uh, Leonard Williams. Gone. Chris Herndon. Gone. And Jamal Adams and Quentin Nua. Gone. Now, those were supposed to be the pillars, and those were the that was the big photo shoot at the time. If anybody out there thinks that we aren't in a better place than we were then, think of what Joe Douglas got for those guys and and let those guys go and where they are, what they're doing now compared to what we got and what we're trying to build, and what we had to come from. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> something doesn't look like the other, definitely. It's true. I don't care. <laughs> if, if people in the bitch are going to bitch, and that's fine. But you come from that, and poor Sam, I, I wanted him to work out. But of course. He was saying the Demarius Thomas, Robbie Anderson, and, and I like Robbie, and he's a one-trick pony, and the tape's out on him. And and Crowder's awesome, but he had no line, and, and an overpaid line at the time. It was a top five. Uh, most paid line in the league. And they stunk. So, all the haters out there, shut the hell up. You obviously don't know what you're talking about and don't know what we came from to come this far. They should have never changed the uniform, even though some of them are kind of cool. Um, just go old school and own it. So, anyway, put that in your pipe and smoke it, <laughs> haters. 
and um, uh, don't hate on Joe D. He's doing a great job rebuilding this ship. I mean, look back on past rosters like I did when I was looking at past drafts. Okay, he Travis got cut off there at the end. He reached his three minute mark. Um, you're right. He, I mean, you're right. It's crazy to think how much has changed. And that was a promo going into the 2019 season, and they're all gone. All of them. It's it's crazy. There's been a ton of turnover, um, and I agree that like you have to be able to give Joe Douglas the, the time. But with all the draft pick, with the money that he spent this offseason, and with all this draft picks this year they have to take a a significant step forward and if they don't then that is when i think the seat is starting to get hot i don't think it is hot right now but i think if we are at this point next year and looking at another four and 13 season and zach wilson struggles then he's starting to be on the hot seat at that point then it's starting to come into question but i don't is that what i think is going to happen no but i think that's that's the point and yeah the, the roster has changed a lot and I think it has gotten better, and I think they will be more competitive this year, which is the ultimate goal, right? I think that for this team is just to be competitive week in and week out. Don't get your doors blown off. Uh, be functional on defense. I'm not asking for a top 10 defense. If they could be, I don't know. Would you sign up for if the Jets ended up with like, this is high expectation, but let's say, let's say Zach takes a significant step forward and they have like, know the 13th best offense in the league and like the 22nd defense in the league and they win seven or eight games i think that would be a home run for the jets this year and then the expectation would be okay you have more money you have still probably like a middle of the first round pick let's continue to go let's build out that defense let's continue with what we're doing on offense and try to get this thing going in the right direction but i just think they need to take a step forward which i think is kind of the point that Travis was trying to make here too, I guess. Let's do Nick from DC. We got a little over under draft game. Okay, I'm down. Hey Matt, it's Nick from DC. So I wanted to call in and play a little uh, draft game with you. I'm going to call this game over under. So I basically I'm going to give you like five or six scenarios. I'll pause for like a few seconds. You just give me your quick like, yeah, I'll take the over. I'll take the under for what the Jets are going to do in the draft, and then like afterwards you can kind of just talk about different, you know, why you gave your answers or, or whatnot. Okay. So the first one, Jets draft day trades, I have a one and a half. Uh, over. Okay. So the next one, I have first round picks made. So this is related to the first one. I have that one set at two and a half. Over. Okay, the next one, I have how many D linemen are we going to take? And I consider D line, I'm talking edge, interior, um, that, you know, any any player on the D line. I have that at two and a half. Under, I'll say two. Next one is wide receivers drafted, one and a half. Under, I'll say one. The next one is running backs drafted. I have that at a half. Over one. And then the last one of the four top 40 picks, what would you consider, or, or what are you guessing is going to be a surprise pick? And I consider a surprise pick as a pick, it's kind of subjective, but a pick that will make Jets fans 
generally be pretty like surprised. Like I think Elijah Moore caught us off guard last year. Mm, yep. I had that set at, at just a half. Okay, so I'll go awesome. under. Thanks, man. Just talk about any of those uh, over-unders that you think are interesting or intriguing or whatnot. Thanks so much. Go Jets. Yeah, that's interesting. I like ga- I like games like that. The over-under stuff is fun. Um, so we'll do, we'll do a few of these for surprise. I don't think we're going to see that much surprise unless like you're someone who's like, they, they need to take a corner in the first four picks. Then I think that would, uh, you're going to be surprised then because I don't think they do that. I, I really think the four positions that we're going to see are edge offensive line. No, excuse me. Sorry. Edge wide receiver linebacker and safety with maybe offensive line mixed in there too. Uh, if they deviate from there, then I would say, okay, that's a surprise. But I don't think that they will. Um, I think there's a chance that they could trade up for a guy like Tyler Linderbaum or maybe a receiver or maybe like a Nicobe Dean. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. That's my main takeaways on that is I think they're going to, I think there's a strong chance they end up with three first round picks. The Another notion, which I think is hysterical, is there's no way you, the Jets can't use three first round picks because you might have to pay all of them their fifth year option by the time when Zach Wilson is also getting paid. If that is an issue that you're worried about, that's a good thing. The, the, the Venn diagram is just a circle, which means that everyone who thought that signing Mike LaFleur to be the offensive coordinator, because you might lose him in a year when he's a, when he's a head coach candidate, that that's a bad thing are in the same boat as the people who think it's a bad thing to spend first round picks and have to pay them. And what, are we doing the stupidity here is what is driving me crazy. But that was interesting. Nick from DC. I appreciate the over under game. Um, and yeah, I don't think we see too many surprises. Shane in Jersey's up next. He wants to grade the off season so far. Hey, Mr. Matt O'Leary. How we doing? What's Shane up? Good, Jersey, sir. Giving you a call. Um, my question for you today is draft coming up uh, on Thursday. So it's about two weeks away. Let's say uh, not like, I guess you, if you want to take it as, like, player-wise for these draft positions, so be it. But, like, four, we get the edge. Ten, we get receiver. And then we just have the two second rounds, or maybe uh, we do a really good late first-round trade for a Linderbaum or one of the linebackers that falls and still keep a second-round pick. So let's say it hypothetically ends up like that. You could decide uh, who gets picked where or whatever. But let's say that happens. Is it fair to give uh, Douglas and the Jets an A for this offseason? I say yes, mm-hmm. only because the amount of holes he's tackled as the team um, for the amount of money also is like, yeah, we didn't get the Tyreek, we didn't get the big names, but I mean two starting caliber tight ends, a, a Pro Bowl guard, a, a young ascending corner. I know you had a video of this like, the other day or something like that, but like, I mean, Whitehead, I love him at safety. All for what? Like under 55, 60 mil? I'm highballing a bit, I think, but like, I mean, that's awesome. And then if we go into this draft and get four, three or four new starters, five, if we somehow hit in like a late pick, I, I think that's exactly what we're looking for because, again, we're not Super Bowl contenders here. We're looking to get better in the best way possible. Yep. And I, I just think he's going to hit all the nails on the head. And if it happens in the draft, I love it. And I think that's fair to give us, the team, and Joe Douglas, an A for the offseason uh, in total. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, what's your grade so far, I guess, and then if it will end up like that after the draft? Yeah, man. Can't wait to hear from you. Go Jets. Be good. Yeah, I'm B plus, A minus range. I'm really happy, but there more has to be done in order to get that to an A or A plus. 
Uh, you need more on edge. You need more at wide receiver. Need depth at tight end. Need depth on the offensive line, linebacker safety. Uh, if they come away with that, and if you add, like you said, like four, the first four picks have to be starters. Sorry, the, your first picks in the top 40 have to be starters. So you need four guys there. And then if you can get one more good starter after that, great. That's great. I would be thrilled with that. Um, they just need to continue to round out their depth and like add a little bit more here. But Shane, I don't think you're far off at all. I think that makes a ton of sense because you laid it out so perfectly. Like, yeah, was it perfect? Not not yet. It hasn't been perfect yet. There's still some holes in this team, but there there's still nine draft picks on the first five rounds that are sitting for you waiting to use. And whether they take nine guys, they stay put and take all nine or they move around, or they trade for an established player. There's so many ways that you can improve this roster. So it's incomplete right now, obviously, but um, it has the chance to be a very, very, very good offseason with, you know, we'll see in a week and a half, which is crazy to me, but it's the truth. Last but not least, Riley in New York. Why he doesn't like Drake London. Okay, let's do it. Hey, Matt. Riley from New York. Long-time listener, first-time caller. As you can probably tell from my voice, I'm younger than most of your other callers, but I'd like to say that I know more about football than the average 16-year-old, and sorry. I've been a Jets fan since Mark Sanchez was butt-fumbling. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Getting into what I'm calling about, I do not think the Jets should draft Drake London. I think he is the wide receiver four in the class behind Wilson, Burks, and Williams, not necessarily in that order. I have concerns with his separation and just don't think he will translate well to the NFL and do not see him being a future wide receiver one. I also saw a statistic, unfortunately I don't remember the exact numbers, but last year Elijah Moore played significantly better on the outside than in the slot. I think that Elijah Moore and Corey Davis should be the outside receivers. I'm higher on Corey Davis than I think most Jets fans are, and I think he deserves another year when he's healthy, not to mention a lot of the drops that people are talking about are exaggerated. The majority of the drops come from tight ends, which shouldn't be a problem anymore with Uzama and Conklin. Mm-hmm. With Davis and Moore on the outside, it would make much more sense to play Wilson, Burks, or Williams in the slot as compared to London. I could see the argument that a receiver at 10 should not be playing in the slot, but I think this last season Cooper Cup and Hunter Renfro showcased the value of an elite slot receiver. Obviously, if London falls in the draft and we trade up for him in the middle to late first, or he somehow falls to 35, that is a different story. I think ideally, though, we should draft KT in either Burks, Wilson, or Williams. Curious to hear your thoughts and J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Love it, dude. Uh, good call to end off with. I think that I am somewhere in between where you are and the people who are like, yes, Drake London is the number one receiver in this class. I think he is my wide receiver four. Also, um, I wouldn't love him at ten. I wouldn't be upset with him necessarily. Because uh, there's five receivers that I would say that I like in this class, adding Chris Olave into the mix there. But I think I prefer what the other receivers would give you. Traylon Burks with the ball in his hand is just a dangerous, dangerous weapon, could do a lot of things for you. Jamison Williams with his speed is just phenomenal. Garrett Wilson with that we're outrunning and mix of speed, I think, uh, is impressive. Uh, and I think that they're going to ask all their starting three receivers to move around a little bit. I don't think it's going to be like locked in where... Davis and Moore on the outside, and the rookie's going to be in the slot. I think they're going to be moved around and asked to do a bunch of different things, which is fine. I think that means that you have a versatile offense. Um, But I personally would rather, I would go Wilson, I would go Burks, or I would go Williamson before I would go Drake London. 
if I had to guess what the Jets would do, I would think London would be two with Garrett Wilson one. Um, and again, London is not my favorite option, but I don't think I would be upset if that ended up being the pick because I do see the upside there of having the receiver who can go up and high point the football there because we do know when Zach Wilson was thriving at BYU, he was trying to make those plays and throw the ball up and let his receiver go get it, which is something that Drake London does. So I am I guess I'm taking the cop-out answer and going somewhere in the middle, but I would prefer I would prefer Garrett Wilson. I think if I had my choice for the Jets at this point, I think it's, it would be Garrett Wilson at pick 10. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for me on this episode. Appreciate you guys tuning in with me again. Sorry for the late release recorded early on Monday and edited instead of recording on Sunday because I was spending some time with the fam for Easter. So that's going to do it for me. Another podcast in the book. Subscribe here if you're new and I'll talk to you next time.